Over the weekend, I had the opportunity to be on my friend Jared Lyman's podcast called Money. It's Math and Mental, a resource for people who make good money but still aren't able to achieve their financial goals. With 20 years in banking and as a certified life coach, Jared is helping individuals achieve their financial goals. In this episode, we discuss how to get started with buying a home along with some down payment assistance programs available for buyers. Hope you enjoy the interview. Okay, everybody, this is my friend, Mark Chavez. He lives in Seattle. I met him when we, I was living in Seattle. We've done a few vacations together and whatnot. And I recently moved over to Spokane and bought my place over here. So I wasn't able to use Mark's services when I was buying my home, but would have if we had been in the same market. So Mark, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Mark is a real estate broker, and why don't you give us kind of a 30-second rundown on kind of what you do and what a real estate broker does? As a real estate broker, uh, residential uh, here, I really focus on helping people buy their home. A lot of my focus has been on first-time home buyers and getting people into the housing market because that is the biggest way that people have really built wealth over the decades. So I do represent a lot of first-time home buyers and also a lot of buyers who are looking to upgrade from their first home. It's, you know, they bought their house, they've built up a lot of equity, and now it's like, all right, now let's move on to the next home or what do we move on to the next chapter? So that has been my focus. And, okay, uh, good. So they're kind of going from a starter home to their kind of maybe their forever home or whatever it is there. Yeah. I mean, even it's, we start for that, but also we're having people who are retiring, you know, empty nesters is what we call them. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, they've already sold their house. You know, the kids are growing, so they're selling their house and they want to downsize. Yeah. Okay. Nice. The first place that I ever bought was a two-bedroom townhome um, in Issaquah, there over, you know, just outside Seattle. And maybe I should have known this, but I didn't. I never really understood what the difference was between a real estate broker and a loan broker. Can you kind of give us a thirty-second rundown for people who may not understand what the difference is there? So a uh, real estate broker helps you find the house. So that's what you, know, you do. That's what I do. Yeah. And a loan broker helps you find the best loan or and the best rate, the best loan that fits you depending on your financial situation. Okay. Do you ever get clients that ask you about that? Like, hey, what kind of loan? What are rates? Or do they ever get into the finance side of it there? They do. And you know what? Everything has been changing. So I, ha- I had a pretty good grasp about it. You know, but with COVID and the new restrictions and everything that has come up and the furloughs and everything, it's just, it's changed so much and it's changing so frequently that I divert a lot of those questions to the experts because I don't want to, I don't want to misguide you. And it's like, talk to the expert who does this every day. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do refer them over to them. Yeah. One thing that I found out when I started going through and buying my first, you know, the townhome there in Issaquah, what I realized is I always thought they were just kind of, not really one in the same, but they work closely together and they really don't. It can be very, very separate. And I kind of like that because then with my broker, I could go out, I could look at houses, I could talk about what I liked and what I didn't like, you know. And with the finance side, that was kind of, you know, got into my personal life. What's my income? You know, how much do I have in savings? Do I have any credit issues? Things like that. And I didn't really have to bring that up with my broker. Now, obviously the broker needs to make an offer there. So they're going to need to know some of your financial background there. But I did find it kind of helpful to have them separated. Do you, do, sorry, did you want to say something there? No, I was going to say that is so true. Um, so, you know, finances are very, very personal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is your dirty laundry. Everything is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
you know, a, you know, a couple of things is those are kept pretty much separate. When I'm with the client, I don't know much about their finances. There's some information that as a broker, I need to know to be able to advise them and guide them on how to submit a competitive offer and what your flexibility is. So the stuff that I really need to know is, you know, what's your budget? What do you want to stay within? Um, is there additional money for flexibility to escalate on an offer? Um, is there additional money for an additional down, you know, part of the down payment? Um, that's the stuff that I need to know. Mm-hmm. And where are you comfortable so I can guide them? One of the big things is when we initially start working together, I try to, you know, let my client know, all right, you've been approved for this much money, but how much is it really that you want to spend on a monthly basis? It's usually different. For their, you mean the monthly basis for like their, their mortgage payment, their principal yeah. interest, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you could be approved for $800,000, but when you see that mortgage payment, you're like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do that. I do not want to be house poor. Yeah. So I work with the, with the, um, with the lender and say, let's reverse engineer this. They're approved for 800, but they want a mortgage of $3,500. We have a set down payment. What is their new purchase price? What can they afford at that, at that monthly payment? Yeah. Because yeah. at the end of the day, that's the check that you're writing. Or I guess I don't know who writes the check anymore, but that's the deduction that's coming out of your account every month. And it's like, that's what you need to be comfortable with because that is a long-term commitment. Yeah. So, you know, it's important to, to have that understanding and to be able to, to for me as, as, a, as a broker, to be able to understand and be like, okay, where's your flexibility? Yeah. Especially with today's competitive market. So. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting you said that because again, I remember when I bought my first house back then, and this was several years ago, my annual income was $60,000. And so I was like, okay, let's see what I can afford here. And so I just went out and my broker, my real estate broker said, just get approved for the highest amount you can. You don't have to spend all that. I was like, okay, so that's what I did. And they came back with this huge number. And you know, I worked at a bank back then. And so I could you know, crunch the numbers and I could figure out what the payment was. And I was like, I cannot believe that they would approve me for this loan because I knew personally there was no way I could afford that. I was like, I will default on this loan in three months. I mean, I need to go out. I need to eat. You know, I want to buy some new clothes. I want to go on vacation. You know, I was like, yeah, if I cut all of that out, yeah, then I could get into this house. But I was just kind of blown away that they would approve me for, for a loan amount like that. So I think that's pretty insightful on your part. Yeah. And it's great. And you know what? And especially today, you know, I have clients that I'm, that I'm working with right now who are looking to buy. And that difference. So let's say that you're approved for 800 and we're looking at houses at 650, 700. We know you can go higher. You're already approved. That's yeah. not an issue. Yeah. So if you find a house that it's just to die for, it checks off all of your boxes and you're like, yes, I know that I could compete and escalate the price. So that's what you want to use that difference for. Yeah. But even then, I still tell my clients, you need to have a financial option A, which is the budget that you want to stick with, and a financial budget B that you're like, okay, if we have to stretch, I am comfortable stretching to this far because I know what that's going to have the impact of, uh, of my monthly mortgage. And I think you said, you said this in one of your last episodes is, you know, you can go up $50,000 and your mortgage payment goes up 10 bucks. Yeah. You know, something like that. So it's like, yeah. Okay. Understand that. So, you know, 
And 50,000 sounds like a lot of money, but over 30 years, it really isn't. Yeah. So you could be competitive that way, but that's really where you want to understand the numbers and know them before you go in. Yeah. Because when you get in there, it's an emotional purchase. And you're just like, yes, yes, I'll wave this, I'll wave that, and I'll wave this. And, and then later, you're just like, oh my God, what did I do? So, <laughs> you know, there's been many, many times where I tell my clients, I'm like, this isn't the criteria that you're looking for. I'm like, why do you really want to do this? And, you know, we leave the house by the time that I get back home to write the offer, I get a text saying, Mark, you're right. We're compromising. That's not the house we're in love with. We're going to pass. That's so, interesting. Yeah. That, I, I think that's so interesting because I feel like a house is, and I know some people debate this, but I'm on the side where buying a house is a good investment. I know some people will debate that, but I'll take that debate all, long, all day long for a bunch of different reasons that don't always get talked about. But one thing that I think is interesting about buying a house is it's for most people, their biggest financial purchase to date and maybe ever in their life, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe college or if you have some medical bills or something that come along there, but generally it's the biggest. But so it's a financial decision, but just like you brought up a minute ago there, it's also very personal and emotional because it's where you're going to live. You know, if you were just buying a rental property, you know, you'd be looking at neighborhood, tenant type, how much money you could make, you know, you wouldn't really care if it had the right countertops, you know, or if it had a fence you didn't like, you know, but if you're going to be living in it every single day, do you ever run into clients or do you see the, the balance or run into issues there where it's both financial, but yet personal? Do you have any stories like that? Or is that just kind of, is that just pretty typical? Just something you have to work through with your clients? I have, you know, there's different ways to approach buying a house. You know, you are buying it as an investment, you know, or you're buying it as a house that you're going to live in. Mm -hmm. So you're willing to make some, some adjustments there, or you're buying it as this is an investment and it just happens to be the house that we're going to live in. Mm, So that, that third scenario is I may not love the features in the house, yeah. But this is a great neighborhood. We can make those updates later and make mod- modifications. And this area tends to appreciate more. So we're going to buy it, live in it for four or five years, seven years, whatever. And then you take that equity and then you start being a little more picky on where you want to live. Because now you might have a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, just in equity alone. Be like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to go in. Now I have that as a down payment. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever have people that are, when I say people, clients, I guess I should say, but do you ever have clients that want to get into a home? It's maybe their first home. And so they kind of want, you know, all the whistles and bells. They want everything great and wonderful, but you just know that, okay, you, you say you can afford a house of X, but you want a house of Y. And then do you ever have to talk to them and be like, you don't have to stay here forever, or you may learn to like what you're living in. Or do you, do you ever run into that issue there? Often. (laughs) <laughs> often, often, often. I mean, and, and this is a discussion that I have all the time. And is that hard? Or I mean, how do you work through that? Do people end up just kind of getting out of the buying process then? Or what do they do? No, you know, the biggest challenge is, and I encounter this all the time. So people who can figure out what they're comfortable, or well, let me rephrase this. People who can figure out or people who think that they can figure out what they qualify for start looking at houses above, their, above the price point that they are comfortable in. So before they start talking to a broker, 
they're already on, you know, they're on Zillow, they're online, and they're looking for houses like, oh, yes, look at this house, I could afford this, because on there, it tells you, right, you know, this house is, you know, this is the price, and this is the mortgage. Yeah, like, oh, I could afford that. But then when they start working uh, with the real estate broker, and well, with me, and then I reverse engineer that, then it's like, yeah, your price point is $150,000 less. And then they start looking at those houses, they're like, Mm, I don't like him. Yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> so, you know, it, so I do have that conversation quite often. I'm like, this is your starter home. You just need to get into the game, especially now that the interest rates are so low. Yeah. So, it's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah. You know, and, and it's and it's and it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. But when you start submitting offers at the top of your price point for these houses that you're in love with, yeah, and you the competition is tough and you keep on losing offer after offer after offer because these people, uh, you know, the, the, the competing offer is going a hundred thousand, $150,000 above the ask price. I'm like, you were nowhere near that. Right. Right. And after losing four or five deals, they're like, okay, maybe we should listen to you. (laughs) Maybe we should come down a little. (laughs) Yeah. So there is that process. And, you know, and I just had that conversation the other night and they're just like, Mark, I know. But we had to do this. I'm like, yeah, you do. I mean, this is part of it. It's like, this is also why it's good to start working with an agent early because you get to experience all this. You get to get all that information early before you're ready to go. You know, on on my blog and my podcast and my whole, you know, thing there, you know, money, it's math and mental. We focus on the kind of the mental side a lot. And, you know, buying a house is so personal and, you know, it's sort of, it's not literally the American dream, but it's a big part of the American dream, right? Is home ownership and having your own house there and everybody wants the, you know, the, you know, kind of the quintessential American house and all that. And I I think that's great and everything, but I think what a lot of people miss is that, yeah, your first home doesn't have to be the one you're going to stay in forever. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times too, I do this all the time is the thing that bothered you initially you tend to overlook later on. You don't even notice. Yes. But it's something you didn't notice that drives you nuts later on. You know, it's like, like I, I uh, when I first moved in, I, um, to my house here in Spokane, there's kind of a big hole in my backyard, if you will, that kind of looks right into the neighbor's yard. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to like not having that privacy. But there were enough other factors here that I was, I was willing to overlook it. And I bought it. Now I don't really even notice that hole in the backyard, but I notice this one little crack in between my countertop and the backsplash. It's between, and I can't, every morning when I eat breakfast, I see that and it just drives me nuts. And I put the little plastic thing in there and repaired it a hundred thousand times and it keeps popping open. And I just, even this morning, I was like, man, I hate that, you know? And so it's, I try and remind people of that, you know, you may learn to overlook that and you may have something else, but that's how homes are. I mean, there's always something you're going to love about it. And it's always something you're going to hate about it. And I think a lot of times, especially if you have a family, it's just better to get into a house and establish a payment history, let the equity build in that house. And who knows? I, you know, I have a lot of friends who are like, yeah, we were going to be here for three years and we love it and we stayed. Yep. And it's turned out to be this financial huge windfall for them. And others are like, yeah, we did exactly that. We stayed for three years. We built up some equity and now we're moving into you know, our longer term home. So, yeah. And you know what? And th- this is the one thing that I, you know, this discussion, I, I think I tell almost every client this. So, you know, we go into a house, they're like, oh, we have to remodel this bathroom. Oh, we need to update the kitchen. Oh, we yeah. need to do this. We need to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, and one of the criteria that I use when I'm, you know, guiding them through, through uh, the purchase or making a decision on a house is I always say, well, for one, houses have problems. 
whether you like it or not, (laughs) you know, things are going to come up. So I always tell them, buy a house that is in a condition that you can live in it for a year without doing anything major to it. Mm, Because something you may think that something bothers you today. And you're like, okay, cool. That's going to cost us $10,000 to do. But you move into it and you spend those $10,000 in repairing something before you even get, you know, you're really getting it settled into the house. Yeah. Then something breaks. Mm-hmm. There's a repair that you need to do. Then you're thinking, oh, yeah, you know what? This wasn't such a big priority. We should have saved that money, lived in the house for a while and, you know, taking care of the repairs that needed to be done. Another thing is exactly what you said is like, oh, this really bothers me. You move in, you get settled in and you're like, you know what? It's not that bad, you know? It's okay. Yeah. I mean, like, eh, I wish I could still do it, but not enough to invest in it. Right. Do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I always tell them, I go, think about it that way. You know, if you're not planning to gut the house and remodel it before you move in, it's buy a house that you can move into it, live in it for a year, and then decide what you want to do. Yeah. So, you know, okay. that's a big that's advice. That's good advice. That's good advice. I like that. Let me ask you this. Um, I, I think it kind of depends on the market. And I know the market is really hot and heated right now, so I don't hear it as much. But uh, a couple of years ago when you know it was still a seller's market, but maybe not as crazy as it is now, I started hearing people, you know, different online services come up or apps come up and people started thinking, I wonder if we're going to really need real estate brokers in the future. You know, maybe we'll just do it all online. And I, I had those thoughts. I asked myself that question. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's kind of good there. So and then after going through the home buying process the first time, you know, I had a very different take on it, but I wanted to hear your, you know, if, if you're making your sales pitch there and someone's like, well, I'm just going to do it by myself. I'm not going to use a broker. You know, how would you, why, why would someone hire a broker? Why would someone hire you versus just do it online? Well, first of all, I don't know how everybody is comfortable with, um, let's just say understanding legal jargon and contracts. That is difficult and that is challenging and you don't know exactly know what that means. So for most people, it's so confusing to even read something that is written by attorneys. And that's what, you know, that's what this is. It is a collection of legal documents. Um, Some of the things, I mean, one is understanding that. Two is you need to know what your rights are, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. what you are waiving. What does that mean? There's things that you waive, but you need to understand the consequences behind that. And the biggest thing, I mean, for me, when I'm working with the buyer, the biggest thing is making sure that I protect my client, mm-hmm. you know, from losing their earnest money from, you know, from, you know, any type of future um, damage or issue or, or waiver or rights that they've waived. Policies change, regulations change. Yeah. And understanding really what that means changes. And of course, you know, we live, in a, we live in a world today where you can Google everything. Right. You know, you can find it. I mean, you diagnose yourself, right? <laughs> uh, but at the same time is because you looked it up doesn't mean that, you, that, you, that they provided all of the scenarios and all the facets. So when you're working with the broker, you know, they're working full time. They do this all the time and they can say, you know what? This just happened this experience just happened, um, this situation, this is what happened, very similar to, to what you're in now, you can avoid this by doing this, or let's mm-hmm. be cautious about this. Then you're being informed and making informed decisions. And the broker should be doing this to protect you. 
Yeah. So that to me is invaluable. I would agree completely. I liked your last point there. Um, you know, I, I worked in a bank for 20 years, right? So I feel very comfortable working with title and escrow and insurance. And, and I actually feel pretty good reading legal documents up, up to a point, you know, probably more than most people. So I was like, I don't know, I may be able to handle this process kind of on my own. But your last point there, your other points were good, but I really like your last one. You said you're you're protecting your client. You know, I didn't know you at the time I was buying my townhome, so I didn't get to use you. Sorry. But my my broker at the time, we were out looking at homes and she was constantly bringing up things. She's like, well, but what about this? Or what about that? Or you don't want to do this because of that. And I was blown away. And what I realized is like, if I need a new shirt, I've bought hundreds of shirts over 20 years. And I know that this store's clothes don't fit me and those wrinkle too fast and those wear out, you know, and those never iron right. And, you know, I've done it. So I know all the little nuances, but I've never bought a house. So yeah, I understand buying a house 101, but I don't understand all the little nuances that go with it. And real estate brokers, you know, they have done this hundreds of thousands of times, you know, they know that, okay, this is going to work. That's not going to work. This is a huge red flag. You're over here stressing out about that, but I can tell you that's not an issue. You should be focused on this sort of thing, you know? And I just thought her insights were invaluable. I was so glad I'd hired a broker after I did that because I'm like, I hadn't, I would never have thought of that. And not because I was dumb or anything. I just, you know, I mean, we don't go buy houses all the time. So there's a lot going on that we don't always know, you know? So I I liked your third point there. I would agree with that. So it's interesting that you you, you make a reference to clothes because I did this all the time. It's not like buying a pair of jeans. Right. They don't, they don't fit. Okay. Who cares? Donate them or I use them as my, I'm going to go, you know, you know, my yard, my yard jeans. This is the huge purchase. You can't just be like, eh, I don't like the house. Well, maybe some people can, you know, but it's usually <laughs> well, not, yeah. it's usually not the case. Yeah. Um, but it's like so important that you do have that. But here's the best part. When you are a buyer, you don't pay for your agent services. Mm-hmm. Good point. So so who the, pays for that then? So the commission for the buyer's agent is typically paid by the seller. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I always ask, I always ask, you know, people who I encounter, I'm like, well, why did you choose not to hire a broker, but do this online? Oh, because I, I, I didn't want to spend the money. I'm like, you do realize that you don't pay for the buyer's <laughs> broker's You're commission. You're not going to spend the money anyway. Exactly. You might as well get the expertise. Exactly. Or even situations where the buyer uses the same agent that is listing the house. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. The seller has a contract with their agent to get the best deal for them. Yeah. Yeah. So they're in contract first. Yeah. Then you're coming in and you're like, oh, I'll just use you. Who are they really working for? Right. The so seller. In your interest as the buyer, you want to get the best deal for the least amount of money. Yeah. The seller wants to get the best deal for the most amount of money. Yeah. That's yeah. a conflict. Yeah. So when, when people do that, I'm just like, mm, okay, all right, good for you. Hope, hope you're okay with that, you know, in a few years. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, I mean, it's whatever people are comfortable with, but I think a lot of it is education and people need to know, you know, what the benefits are. Okay. Let me ask you this, and then I know you have some kind of some financial notes there. Um, and when we were kind of preparing for this podcast, you were throwing out a bunch of uh, kind of down payment programs I thought was really awesome. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know about that. So, but before we get to that, I want to ask you kind of going back to that 
kind of the scenario there that, you know, we've never bought a house and, you know, we're asking all these questions and we think we know what we're doing. Do you see one mistake kind of over and over and over again from first time home buyers that maybe they're, they're always thinking about this, but they should really be thinking about that, or they're worried about this, but that's not really a concern. And, and maybe you don't, if you don't, that's fine. I was just curious if you're like, everyone worries about this or everyone focuses on that. And it's not an issue. Their, their attention really ought to be over here. I, I'm just thinking, I'm like, okay, which, which one, which one would I talk about? <laughs> um, as listing brokers, our job is to make the house look beautiful. Uh huh. You know, it's an emotional purchase. So you're going to go in there and you're going to get dazzled by how great the house looks. I mean, we do the videos, we do the staging, we do the you know professional photographers. Yeah. But many times we've gone into a house and they're just like, oh, you know, I don't like these colors. And, you know, and it kind of just throws me back. I'm like, okay, all right, let's look at the rest of the house. And they're like, no, I really didn't like that color. You know, and it's one thing when it's the inside of the house and versus the outside in terms of price. But I'm just like, you know, you can paint that, right? A thousand dollars and you're done. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Home Depot. It's like, you know, $35 a gallon or something like that. I'm like, mm. um, but you know, I always tell my clients, I'm like, you need to look at the core systems of the house. You need to look at the entrenched systems of the house. Those are the things that are key to the house. So the foundation, the roof, you know, how well does it do with the, I mean, here in Seattle, right? The, the rain, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the, the bones el- of the building. Exactly. The electrical, that's the stuff you need to be looking at. Everything else is cosmetic, Yeah, you know, and of course, you know, we're not there to, you know, for you to spend money, but it's like, those are the important things that you need to look at. Sometimes, you know, we go in there like, oh my God, this is beautiful. I love the floors and this and that. I'm like, you know, there's some foundation issues, you know. <laughs> this thing's going to crumble. <laughs> exactly. Let's look at that. So uh, it's not necessarily mistakes, but it's conversations that we need to have and kind of redirect them as to what is important. There is a book that I give um, all of my uh, uh, buyer clients. Uh, which is called uh, The Confident House Hunter by Dylan mm. Chalk. Okay. And um, he's an active home inspector here in Seattle. The book is written so, so well that anybody picking that up would be like, you know, they're going to go in there and they're going to be like, oh, I know how to inspect the house now. Uh-huh. Um, so <laughs> awesome. and the, the best part for me is that when the client reads the book and it's an easy read and they're doing the home inspection, they'll say, You've read the book, didn't you? <laughs> because now they're speaking like their colleagues. Uh-huh. So they can have this really great, intelligent conversation they're about asking the, the right questions. Exactly. What? What uh, is that? Something they can buy on Amazon? Oh, completely. Yes, they can buy what, it on Amazon. What's the name and author again? Just in case people miss that. Uh, the Confident House Hunter by Dylan Chalk. Dylan Chalk. How do you spell his last name? Do you know? Is it C H A L K? I believe. Okay. Just like yeah. it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, good. I mean, and I can send you the link. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I have, I buy, you know, dozens of them and I give them to my clients. That's part of uh, my kit of when, when I'm working with clients, like, here's your buyer kit. It includes that book. I do like to provide resources that they could have at the tip of their hands for them to say, okay, you know what? Let me read through this. I also mm-hmm. have a cheat sheet that goes with that. So, if you don't have time to read the book, you know, there's you a cheat, the cheat sheet, sheet that you need. So, that That's helps. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Thanks. Okay, let's um 
maybe just spend the last few minutes here talking about just kind of what information you know that's available to people kind of financially. You know, getting into a home is, you know, it's very exciting, but it's, you know, this huge amount of money and it's also very scary. And I think for a lot of people, they feel like they'll never be able to get into a home. It's just, it's not attainable. You know, I need to save 20% down and based on the market, you know, I got to save 300,000 and I'm only saving 500 a month and that's going to take me 20 years, you know. And if you just looked at it mathematically, which I've done and I've talked about it in previous podcasts, you know, you feel like, yeah, I'll be 65 and able to buy my first home, you know. Yeah. But yet, look at how many people get into homes earlier. So it does happen, it does work out. And I know you have a little bit of information there on kind of first time home buyer programs. So why don't you just, uh, can you give us a little bit of rundown yeah. on those, what you know there, and just kind of give us a little bit of hope? Yeah. So, you know, there are several programs out there for uh, first time home buyers. Um, there is a down payment assistance program that's provided, uh, I believe it's through the state. And they just increase the income limitation to where you qualify of up to 100, I think it was $145,000. So if you're so meaning annual household income is 145,000. Yes, that's great. So and then, you know, they'll give you money. Um, another program that is out there and, and a couple of my clients have used them is uh, Bank of America has this community grant program, where they will give you up to $10,000 towards your down payment, in addition to up to $7,000 in closing cost. Wow. So $17,000. Yeah, free money. So, yeah, so I did find out for that program specifically, I found out that they will, uh, the following year, they will issue a 1099 for the $17,000 that they gave you. So it's like income. So depending on your income bracket, you'll be taxed. So let's say that you get taxed $3,000 on $17,000. That's still a lot of free money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still $14,000 yeah, in free money. Exactly. Yeah. So- yeah. There's it's like you pay me three thousand, I'll give you fourteen thousand. No okay. brainer. <laughs> yeah. No brainer. So you know there are programs out there, and talking to your broker, you know, to your real estate broker, and also talking to your your mortgage broker, they can provide you information on that and see what you qualify for. Some of the biggest things that you need to be concerned about, and you've mentioned this, is you know like debt to income ratio. Yeah. The, you know, it doesn't matter what you're paying in rent today. What they're going to be looking at is what is your monthly debt to income ratio. So the lower you get that, the more you qualify for, the more options you have, the interest rates. The other thing- Just real quick, don't lose your thought there, but just for my listeners who may not know what that is, the debt to income ratio, that's just your, all your debt payments. So it's your credit cards, your car, your student loans, medical, and the P&I on the home in relation to your total gross income. That's what they're looking at there. So Correct. Okay, Correct. go ahead. I just wanted to find that in case some people didn't know what that was. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the other thing that um, when I talk to people about you know, their income and make sure that they do qualify for that, and when they're looking at lenders, I always tell them, if you will reach out to three different lenders at the same time, so if you have one lender who pulls your credit today, I think it's within 14 days um, and it's only going to hit your credit once. So if you have the other two lenders pull your credit, so they're doing the same thing that the first one did within 14 days, it only hits your credit once. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, that's interesting. So okay. You do have the right to go out and shop, you know, shop for rates or whatever. 
Right. The one thing that I have noticed is, and we got some extremes here, is I had um, one client who did that, as I advised, and one lender said, nope, you don't qualify. Hmm. Uh, you know, two days later, the other vendor, the other lender was like, yeah, you qualify for $450,000. Wow. I was like, okay, you go from one extreme to the other. <laughs> and then, you know, and I had another client who did the same thing. And we saw a $4,000 difference in closing fees. Oh, wow. Between one lender to another. Mm. And many times, if there's a specific lender that you want to work with, once you get that letter from you know, the lender saying, this is what you qualify for. Your pre-approval your letter? Well, not the pre-approval letter, because they also, they do like a closing cost worksheet where they say, okay, these are all the fees that we're charging. Right. Okay. Yeah. You can take that letter, you know, whoever giving you the best, the best rate or, or, or fees, take it to the lender that you really want to work with and say, can you match this? Yes. Most times they can match it. And I can tell you as a former banker, we hate it when people do that, but it is. Fair. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And it's fair. I have friends that, you know, their friends do it and they're just like, yeah, I really want to work with you, but can you match this? And, you know, mutual friend of ours, he's like, nope, sorry, I can't beat that one. You go with them. Yeah. You know, and they'll tell you that. There's a lot of options out there and, and you need that guidance. And if you're not speaking with professionals, they're not telling you this. So you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and I know that, you know, that because obviously you're in, you know, real estate there and you're selling that, you know, a little bit about the loan program, but all of that, when you get into that nitty gritty is something you would probably be discussing with your loan broker, not with you, right? You may direct them to say, Hey, there's a program here that might work for you, but you wouldn't walk them through that process. Is that correct? Wouldn't you refer them on at that point? Yeah, that's correct. So typically, you know, um, the, the way it typically works is um, someone will reach out to me, whether it's a referral or they've seen my listings or they get my name somehow reach out to me. I have them fill out a home buyer questionnaire. And I did that questionnaire. I thought it was very good. It was very personal. I liked the question. I thought it was all going to be about like, where do you want to live and how much can you afford? And it was very, I liked the personal touches. Like what are the must haves and what are the, I will not tolerate, you know, and yeah. a bunch of the other questions are, I was like, man, this is really good. You know, he's really getting to know me. And uh, I mean, I just did it in preparation for the podcast, you know, but I thought, man, if I was looking for a house, this guy is really going to help get me a house that I like, not just do a transaction to earn his commission there. Yeah. I mean, and one of the things with that is I want to get to know your lifestyle and your personality and, and yeah. what's important to you, because if you want to be close to trails and be able to hike and go outside, then, you know, when you start to, I want to look at this house. And even when I'm sending you houses, that's the criteria that I'm using as well. Yeah. Not going to so, be looking at a condo in downtown Seattle. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I haven't complete the questionnaire. We get together and we talk and I understand where they are in the process of, of the financing. And, you know, one of the questions is, is someone going to be helping you to purchase this house? Nope. I'm on my own. Okay. Let's talk about And you mean this. help financially? Yes. Yes. Financially. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so I do tell them, I go, there are programs out there. You know, I can send you links for you to look on your own. Also talk to your, to your lender, whoever you're going to work with and go through those options and see what works. Many times they talk to the lender, they loop me in, and then I, of course, get connected with their lender so I can talk to the lender as well. Um, but not much of the personal financial information is right. really disclosed. Just it's based not, on the transaction. Needed. 
Exactly. Yeah. But we can guide them through that. And sometimes they don't qualify for some of those programs. And it's like, well, we tried. Right. You know, but you got qualified through this other program. Let's go with that. And then that gives me information on how to structure an offer. How do we make it competitive? And what are the, what are the pitfalls and what are the challenges, but what are some of the benefits to it as well? This may not be a fair question for you, but you know, if I'm a first time home buyer and I'm looking for a loan and so I call up a bank or something like that, are there, are there loan brokers that are more geared towards first time home buyers and know those programs a little better or are they all pretty well versed on them? No. <clears throat> Do you have an opinion it, on that? They're not all versed on it. Okay. So, it, so that does make a difference too. So okay. who you're being referred to. So, you know, I have several, um, uh, colleagues that I've worked with in the past. I have several friends that who are lenders. So, you know, when I know what situation you're in, um, I make the appropriate recommendation. Yeah. Okay. And who to reach out to. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Another benefit of hiring a broker there. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I have really enjoyed this. Um, I want to put a personal plug in there. You know, I know Mark, he's a friend, obviously, but he's very good. He's very energetic. He's very responsible, very professional. Um, I mean, he's just, he's fun to work with. You know, the process can be stressful at times. At least it was for me on different days there, you know, but uh, Mark's the kind of guy that'll make it fun and he'll keep it in perspective. And if you need to cry it out one night, cause you lost an offer, he'll let you do that. But then the next day he's going to be like, all right, what are we doing? We're getting you a house. Let's keep going. Exactly. And you know what? And I get it. It's an emotional roller coaster. And thank you for that. You know, I, I, I appreciate the opportunity of coming on here and talking to you and, and reaching out to your audience. And, you know, I always say, connect with the broker, you know, make, you know, it's somebody who you want to be friends with, because then you can be honest. And that is probably the most important thing is being genuine and being honest, and have them get to know you so you can get the, the right advice, you know, And if someone is living in Seattle, and then I also know that you can refer to other brokers as well. So if you're not living in Seattle, but you wanted to maybe chat with Mark and say, hey, do you know anyone in my market that could help me out? How would someone go about getting a hold of you? So, I mean, you can go to my website, Uh, markchavezrealty.com. And that's Mark with a K and then Chavez, C-H-A-V-E-Z. Correct. Thank yep. you. Yes. With the K, which I always say, that's the right way of spelling it, but you know, <laughs> tomato, tomato. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, go to my website. There's, you can connect with me, text, phone, email, whatever works for you. And, and that I, information's listed on the website. Yeah. So they can just reach out to me from my website. Um, I do have a big, big network of friends, colleagues. I am on several uh, associations. So I have, you know, connections to brokers um, uh, around the country not yet around the world yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, I do have a few in Italy and in Rome, you know, wow. in Rome. Okay. But, um, but yeah, I mean, reach out, you know, and I can connect you with someone. That's great. Okay. MarkChavez.com. That's where you can go to get a hold of Mark. No, it's MarkChavezRealty.com. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Mark Chavez Realty. Good to know. MarkChavezRealty.com. Okay. All good. All good. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the podcast. You were my first guest. So I really appreciate that. Um, I think it was very valuable to my listeners and I think it's going to pay off for them and help them mitigate some of the risk and be able to get into a home. Thank you. This has been awesome. So if you or anybody else needs any help, especially here at the Seattle market, you know, please reach out. Uh, You can always use me as a resource for any questions. And uh, if you ever want me back, just, you know, how to get a hold of me. All right. We will do it for sure. Thanks, Mark. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.